It's so funny. I love that you recognize that it's my life because I had it. I didn't do music actually for a period in my life for seven years. And it was where I was the most lost that I've ever been. Hello, and welcome to the My Kind Podcast Season 2. After one season of recording a podcast, 21 episodes, I've had some time to take stock of what I really enjoyed about podcasting, who I really enjoyed talking to, and what I really enjoyed talking about. Ultimately, it comes back down to the fact that I love exploring the concept of personal growth and intentional living. Do you have a growth mindset focused on designing your life as you want it to be? Or in other words, to live with intention? This podcast is the creation of my personal curiosity about what it means to live a meaningful life. I believe we can all benefit from asking ourselves these questions and in turn asking these questions of others so we can learn from their experiences. When we explore ideas that challenge us to grow, anything is possible. Let's start there. Today's guest is the amazing and energetic singer, Mandy Cole. And I'm also proud to say a friend of mine. Mandy is a member of the award-winning folk pop duo located in the Okanagan called Aiden and Mandy. She's also the fierce front woman of the popular high-energy rock and roll cover band Jack and Jill. Mandy's voice is a blend of power and elegance. She can touch the innermost part of your soul to make you shiver in your skin with her tender originals, as well as have you sing along to your favorite songs. With her powerhouse voice, I'm not lying here, her voice is incredible. I've been wanting to interview Mandy for a while, and I've been so lucky to be able to call her a friend because not only is she an amazing artist and my reverence for musicians <laughs> extends a long way, but the second I heard Mandy, I knew we need to have her at the winery and on the podcast, but also because Mandy and I share uh, a connection because both of our fathers passed away due to cancer in a very short period of time. So Mandy has been an amazing lifeline for me. And honestly, she's not just a musician that plays music. She brings her soul. She brings her life and she brings her experiences into the music that she plays. And everyone that hears it knows it. So it is my pleasure to welcome Mandy to our podcast today for season two. The one thing I have to caveat is I was concerned with checking Mandy's audio and for some reason I was not able to hear that my audio wasn't sounding very good until I went back to editing. So please forgive me for the audio in this episode on my part and not Mandy's. It's not the greatest, but also... I didn't want to give up posting this podcast because it's a beautiful conversation between the two of us that I think and I hope you'll enjoy. You've got your wine, I've got my wine. The conversation shall flow. Yay! Okay. <laughs> well, uh, Mandy, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today um how was the last half of your week been since I saw you the last half of my week has been fantastic we had a great book club I think Mm. I think it was one of the best book clubs that we've had in a really long time it was small it was intimate and we really got to the heart of that book you know what I mean yeah (laughs) and in multiple ways like I don't there's many book clubs where I actually cry. <laughs> no, you did cry. I did. I cry. feel like I was. Uh, I made you do that. I'm sorry. But <laughs> I, I feel no. like you needed to cry. 
I I think I I did. The book was it just was it was making me feel a lot of things. So yeah, I'm just trying to remember. Is that how we met? Did we meet through the book club, or did we meet before that? Do you remember? Uh, no, I think we met through book club. Through book, book club. club. Yeah, okay. which I'm pretty stoked on because all the women in our book club are fantastic. Oh my fantastic God. women. And that's how I met you through there. I had no idea who you were. Met Sweet Dea. <laughs> found out that she, oh, you're the owner of, are you the owner of Origin? Or how did yeah, that work? Me and my hubby. Yeah. Yeah. Found And then we got connected and then we played music at beautiful Origin Winery. We have a bit of a, a scene going on there every every summer we have a girls kind of it's turned into this woman like festivity at the end of summer right like yeah like a hurrah power night we need to have a lilith fair at origin an okanagan lilith fair oh man i've i've told like this a few times you know, we could rent yurts for the weekend, have like a women's festival, and you could just leave. <laughs> We're on the same wavelength. Whenever I go there, that is exactly what I think. I think of all the female artists in the Okanagan who, like, and as you said, like yoga, music, food, and just like a beautiful kind of um, set. Oh my God, it would be fantastic. Yes. Ever since I met you, and, and, and I think actually one of the first times before I met you, I saw you play with uh, Jack and Jill, is it? At, oh, uh, yeah, Jack and Jill. <laughs> <laughs> for the Peach Fest. Oh, and yeah. And <laughs> it's so funny because Blake doesn't dance. It's not his jam. But we went down kind of on the side of, Lake, of Lakeside Hotel, and you were playing there. Mm-hmm. And and he was like, oh, this is good music. I'm like, oh, we can go dance. And he said, oh, sure. I was like, sure. Like, you want to go? <laughs> you want to go dance right now? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Very unheard of for him. So we went and we jammed out to a couple of songs, and and then I realized you were with Dan and a couple other people that I kind of knew but didn't know. Yeah. And I think that's when I saw you the first time. I was like, she's awesome. You were flinging your hair and I was like yeah, yeah she's rocking out that is Jill that is my alter ego when I'm on stage in Jack and Jill it is a different person well you know me in you know Mandy right like yeah I'm pretty like I'm pretty um bubbly and and lively um but I wouldn't say I'm like like Jill is like edgy and wild and she just there's no stopping her right so I do I have this yeah and it's inside of me and it just comes out it comes out through the music that we play right it's like rock music I've always loved alternative rock and roll music it's always been inside of me and you know everyone has a little bit of darkness inside of them right a little edginess and it's so nice that I get to share that and I get to inspire other women to feel that as well and I think that's kind of what what um, a lot of women feel is that when they see me doing that, they're like, oh yeah, okay, I'm going to do that too. Let's unleash it. You know, it's so good to feel. Um, it I is. love it. Yeah. yeah. And you... I love that we inspired your hubby to dance. <laughs> he felt Jill too then. He was like, oh yeah, I'm doing this. <laughs> he totally did. I mean, yeah, it reminded me, I mean, I remember when I was, you know, 15, my jam was like, getting into the punk scene and feeling really really you know very cool wearing my big fat pants and my tiny t-shirts and going yeah. into like mosh pits and but it's cool now right it's cool again the 90s like they went out of style and now it's cool again to like wear those outfits and I don't know it's just I don't know if it's cool again because we're feeling that way like we're feeling like I don't feel like 90s music is classic rock. Do you know? Like, no. I don't feel that way when I listen to it. But it is now, right? The 90s is, it's classic. It is. It's so funny in some ways because I still feel tied to the music that our parents grew up with. Like, to yeah. me, that's classic rock. But totally. like, that was a long time ago now. <laughs> like, a long, long time ago. 
it's like the fifties to us when we listen to the fifties music, you know, and we're like, ah, the Beatles, that's cool. Right. And you'd watch like the black and white, <laughs> the black and white music video. Wow. That was such a crazy time back then. And then you think, I think about the nineties. I'm like, that's what teenagers think about when they watch, you know, Nirvana teen spirit, or they watch the music videos that we grew up watching. It, and yeah. that's crazy thought to me you know that that's one thing I noticed about you right away when it came to your music I I saw you playing all different kinds of music in Mm -hmm. in multiple settings with different kinds of groups and I wondered where where did that come for you here's my outside perspective music is your life all these different bands all these different things teach Mm -hmm. music you do how did that become your life It's so funny. I love that you recognize that it's my life because I had it. I didn't do music actually for a period in my life for seven years. And it was where I was the most lost that I've ever been. So I made, yeah, a hundred percent. So I made a decision after those seven years and I'll tell you how, you know, it all unfolded, but um, I made a decision after those seven years when I started getting back into music that I would never let that happen again. So that is why I jump at any opportunity I can to play music and to just be connected to it in whatever way I can, because I know what it feels like to not be a part of it, you know? And prior to that seven years, was it something that had always been a big part of your life? Yes. Mm -hmm. So um, growing up, I, I did a lot of sports. I was always very sporty and, um, it was something that was in our family that I did. And, um, when I was in grade four, I sang in a uh, show in, in, you know, an elementary school show. It was Alice in Wonderland and I was the doormouth and I sang and my parents we're in the audience not thinking that I could sing or anything. And I didn't know I could sing at this time. <laughs> and uh, apparently I sang and the whole audience just went quiet and you could hear a pin drop. And um, that's when my parents were like, okay, we've got a singer on our hands here. Um, but music was always a part of our lives in our family as well. My brother is a musician as well. He's a fantastic guitar player. Um, And we always, my parents aren't musicians, but music was always playing in our house. We never, you know, were ones to sit down and watch TV. We listened to music and we had records just all over the floor all the time. I can remember that was where me and my brother would go. We'd pull out all the records. We'd smell the records. We'd look at the pictures and we'd just be like so into this music. We'd listen to it for hours. It's amazing. And watching it go around and just, yeah, it is. You absorb every second of that and you, you process it on so many levels. I can remember sitting against the speaker and listening with my ear, like having it right to the speaker and listening to the bass and feeling like the vibration from the bass going into my body. <laughs> that is so cool. <laughs> so it, it, yeah, it's always been a big part of who who I am and, and my brother as well. And I'm pretty sure that is why we love music so much, my brother and I. Um, but from there, I, uh, I did musical theater. So I was part of something called Strolling Youth Players in Ontario. And it just took young kids like myself and it kind of trained them to be like a triple threat, singing, acting, dancing, but singing and music, yeah. And I loved it, you know, I loved doing theater and and I loved being a part of that. And a lot of the um, kids who are in that group are still doing music to this day and are quite successful at it, which is pretty cool. Um, So I feel very lucky to have been a part of that group. Yeah, it was awesome. So and then we do shows outside of school. So we did like like breakfast television and we toured all across like southern Ontario and did shows. And it was really neat because. Um, you know, you got to go to Toronto and audition in Toronto. You know what? I never made it there, but I played uh, Royal Conservatory of Music for my whole life. Yeah. And that, I, what did you did play? I, I mentioned that to you. I played, I played conservative, like just conservative piano and okay. was on the verge of 
at some point deciding whether or not I was going to go to Toronto to the Royal Conservatory of Music to do my diploma. Yeah. And I didn't, but we can get into that later. But um, I do think it's like where the opportunities lie for for future development. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. How did you like the, I did Royal Conservatory of Voice as well. I loved it. I think, I also think that if you want to do anything in music, you need to have Royal Conservatory training um, just because it, it really does develop you at your musician skills. I'm sure you're an amazing piano player. I can't believe I didn't know this about you. I know. I I can't, you know, it's one of those things where I felt like I didn't really, I wasn't really of the different paths that you could take uh, beyond that. So I felt like if I went, I was just going to be tied into this one line of conservatory music and then maybe teaching. I was also worried about it was an outlet for me and so then I didn't want it to be something that became onerous I wanted to enjoy it I was worried about that that's interesting do you play now yeah I do I do I totally I've always played for my emotional being like happy, I'll go play happy if I'm sad I'll go play sad like I love everything (laughs) about this but I want to hear you yeah we can we can totally get together I know that's so funny we've never really talked about it you know like uh you know that kind of music is not very well played nowadays so I feel like it doesn't really go it's stunning I love listening to professionally trained classical anybody because I know how hard it is I know how much work you put into it and I know how hard it is and it is incredible to listen to I want to hear you play (laughs) oh well well I can do that we can do that together for sure why Um, don't you play for people you're are you are you afraid that people won't like why don't you play I don't want to put words that's a really good question I mean Mm -hmm. I guess part of it is do I play that kind of music for people it just doesn't seem like the kind of music people listen to I mean it is I listen to it I listen to classical music but Yes. The average person, I don't know. It just seems I, uh, I feel like <laughs> that might be something that is like a wall that maybe you've created because I can tell you the Okanagan in particular, wine and classical music goes beautifully together. I could see I am envisioning you on your origin winery stage at sunset playing while we're enjoying a glass of wine that would be incredible so I'm right like part of me is always I, like jealous is not the right word but um appreciative of how you the story that I don't know your backstory of where you started mm-hmm. teaching and all the different mm-hmm. bands and all the different levels of and styles and that is just like I think it's amazing thank you I have worked really hard at it and um, it's kind of funny because it connects to your story as well. Um, And I think a lot of musicians and singers have kind of the same story where they, they do Royal Conservatory and then it, it comes time to, or they do these things in high school and it comes time to make a decision about what you do next. Right. Mm-hmm. Do you go to university and you see this through and you make it your life career or do you take another path? And um, for me, I was doing quite well in Royal Conservatory um, and it came time to make that decision. And I ended up, I really struggled with um, sight reading in Royal Conservatory. It was yeah. my downfall. Um And I bombed my audition at, I want to say Western University I was trying to get into um, for for classical voice. And I bombed it. It was terrible. And I can remember coming home and I didn't get in and I cried. It was the first time that someone had said no to me vocally. I never had that before, right? And I I just cried and I cried and I cried and... 
my mom's like, why don't you go to school for theater? And I'm like, because I'm never going to make it as a, because you're told you can't, like, you're never going to make it as a theater. It's too hard. You're, it's, it's a needle in a haystack. Yeah. Everyone <laughs> so, tells you that. Yeah, exactly. And I was scared. I was really scared to take that leap. I was so scared. And, and at the time, you know, Toronto scared the crap out of me as an 18 year old girl. It's a really scary place when, you know, you're very small and, um, it, you know, I lived in Barrie, Ontario, which is now quite big, but it was really scary for me. I wasn't ready. And, um, I decided to go into teaching instead. So I took a different path and this is where the root of not playing for seven years happens. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you opted out of the music school and into a teaching program. Yeah. And okay. yes. So then I went to university and I always kind of, you know, dabbled and, but it wasn't like full on, like I had been doing, um, in, you know, high school. Um, and my, I always felt a bit of disappointment from my mom and my dad, you know, they were like, why aren't you doing music? I don't, they did, didn't understand it because they know how much it meant to me. But I was so hurt. I was so hurt. And I thought I wasn't good enough. Right. So I was like, I'm going to do this teaching thing, which actually in the end, in, in the end of the story, it actually kind of works out. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, but so I go and I do this teaching thing and, and um, I travel, you know, to New Zealand. I have these great experiences in New Zealand. I lived in New Zealand for a year. And, um, you know, after university, I come back to, I moved to BC. I moved out here. And um, I didn't really know what to do. I was confused. <laughs> I didn't know who I was. I didn't know what to do. I'm in this new place. And I was totally lost. Did you come for a job? I was... followed a boy. I followed okay. a boy here. <laughs> gotcha. And that yeah. didn't work out. Yeah. <laughs> Don't do that. I, Don't I follow a boy. <laughs> follow your heart. Um, no, I followed a boy and, um, that didn't work out, which is it, again, it works out in the end. So my life is a mess. I'm not doing music and I end up, um, that my, my relationship breaks up and I end up meeting my husband. Um, uh, he's a drummer. He was at the time he was a drummer in a band and I, um, that called the day beats. And I went to this party and I see this drummer and I'm like, oh, my gosh, he's so cute. And anyway, we start dating, and um, the jam space is in our basement. And he's like, he hears me sing kind of here and there. And he's like, okay, all right, she's pretty good. Okay, that's cool. And then he's like, why don't you come down and jam with us? I'm like, no. Oh okay. <laughs> and I come down and I jam with them and um, I sing, I think it was like a Janis Joplin song or something like that. And all three of them were just like, what? How have you not been singing? Like, what is going on? Is this like so, a soft, was that his like soft date question? You should come out and jam with us? <laughs> when you just come down and jam with us. Just come down and jam. Yeah, right? He didn't know. He didn't know I could sing, which is kind of great because oh. he, he ended up loving me for me, not my voice, right? Which in the past people had, you know, oh, she can sing. She's this, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So um, that was really cool. So after that, after he figured out I could sing, I auditioned for Soundstage um, in Penticton. Um, it's this theater company in Penticton. It's fantastic. And... Um, that's where I met Aiden. I met Aiden Mays at Soundstage. Oh, cool. Yeah. And that's where your journey mm -hmm. started. Totally. So I can I can remember I auditioned for Soundstage. I got in and I was so nervous because I didn't know anybody. And it was um, hair and um, the, the musical hair, which is fantastic. And Adam was the drummer in it. And Ty, my bass player, and Jack and Jill was the bass player in this show. It was so great. And, um, and I met Aiden in it. And Aiden is my duo partner um, in Aiden and Mandy. We've been together for like 12 years. Um, but I can remember meeting Aiden and just, she was so sunny and so lovely and just so sparkly. And I felt like I was 
with my friends from back home in my theater company when I met her. I was like, oh my gosh, this person gets it. She gets it. She gets me. We can talk about stuff that we love talking about together. And uh, we were inseparable. And I called, I, she played guitar and I went to one of her shows um, that she played solo. And I was like, oh my God, she's an amazing guitar player. She's an amazing singer. I got to learn off this woman. And I called her and I said, can I take guitar lessons from you? And she's like, absolutely. And I took guitar <laughs> lessons from her. And then from there, we started singing little songs together and we put little songs together and we started playing the market in Penticton and the rest is history. But I vowed, you know, once I started getting back into it, I vowed from there, I can never, because everything started just changing in my life when I started doing music again. You know, I found this amazing man through music and I found one of my best friends in music and we have this beautiful duo. And, and I'm like, why, why did I ever stop playing music? And then I got this job. You know, I work for the school district where I teach music and I do that full time. You know, I pass on that love of music. So it's really cool that I got to, you know, stopping actually threw me, propelled me into doing this full time. You know, like it is my life. It is what I do 100% of the time. I live for it. Oh, so, that's a, yeah. that's a full circle. <laughs> There's so many people that can relate to the fact that even if they love music, they've been told do not make that what you yeah. try to do for a job or a career like don't go that route it's not going to work out yeah and you are someone who even though maybe you left it but you still it yeah. seems like you took those opportunities and then they just kept rolling yeah and I still do that I still am like you know what I trust that this is going to lead me to this and this is going to lead me to that I just kind of go with my gut and what feels right and I, st I do it all the time. I lead with your gut, but never, yeah. never do something because never stop doing something because you're afraid. Right. And I think that's also what I learned is I was so fearful and I missed out on so many opportunities in that seven years because I, I was scared, you know? Let's take a quick break. I just want to take a minute to ask for your feedback for this podcast. You can send me your thoughts in a number of ways. Go to the website www.mykind.ca and click the contact form or you can send an email to info at mykind.ca or if you're a fan of voice messages you can do that now too. Just go to anchor.fm slash mykind slash message. You can do this right from your phone or tablet and record a message that will come straight to me. We are currently looking for questions you have about what it means to live with intention, how to have a life that feels purposeful, and any other topics you'd like to see on our episodes. I would love to hear from you one of these ways. Thanks so much. Let's get back into it. I think a lot of musicians and a lot of actors and a lot of just anybody who does performance, it's a really, it's a hard job. You know, you are judged for a lot of things that you, you know, you have to have a really hard exterior um, and interior. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but if you really, your version of success can't be what you think other people um, need it to be. Do you know what I mean? I like, totally know what you mean. Mm -hmm. I mean, how how did you how do you decipher what your version of success looks like or feels like or is? Mm -hmm. I think when I was younger, success looked a lot different than what it is to me now because I didn't understand what life was you know I thought success when I was younger I thought success was being the best that I could possibly be and what is the best the best is having everything all the riches all the whatever whatever and that's not 
I think in music what it is, what success is. I mean, you look at people who are very successful with fame. You know, they have fame. If, if you think fame is success, you look at some of the people who are famous, I mean, their soul is crying, you know, because that fame is is dark, I think. If I yeah. look at, you know, it has a very, very, very dark side to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it has, you know, some beautiful, obviously, advantages. But yeah, it does have a dark side to it. And for me, when I think of success and how it's all unfolded for me, success is where I am right now. I have a beautiful husband. I have a beautiful home. I have a beautiful life. I have a beautiful job where I get to go to school every day and work with children and inspire them and see their eyes light up when, you know, a song they love comes on or they're just dancing with joy. And then I get to be a part of the community. And I think being a small artist in a community that embraces you, like, you know, Penticton does, for me, that's success. It's like, I feel so valued here and people absorb the message that I'm putting out. And as an artist, you know, if you can have somebody feel touched by what you're doing, that's what, what an artist is, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, no, Mm -hmm. absolutely. And I mean, then there's like the different, there's the sides of success, right? Like there's the exterior feeling of success and the interior feeling of success, but we're all getting to this age where I wonder (laughs) how did, you know, how do you, decide what that means to you you know how do you Hmm. shed those um external perceptions of what success looks and decide for yourself what it means to you and then feel happy because of it how do you Mm -hmm. do that I think it it comes with probably soul searching and reflecting reflecting on what feels right and what doesn't feel right, you know, I've been in situations, I mean, I've been doing, I've been doing music seriously in the Okanagan for probably 12, 13 years now. And I've been in situations where what I thought would be like, yes, that's the top. This is it. Where I thought that was what success felt like, didn't feel like that at all. It felt terrible. <laughs> and mm. I've been in situations where, you know, like playing at Origin Winery, I love playing there because there's just something so magical in the air, in the energy of everyone there that, you know, where people are yeah. just embracing the music and they're embracing the moment and like time kind of stops, you know? Yeah. And, and can you feel like, you enter a say a call it a venue mm-hmm. can you tell what that night is going to be like do you kind of have an inkling um yes yes yeah yeah <laughs> you can and and sometimes that's a disservice to yourself because I mean I'm so lucky because I get to play with with Aiden and I get to play with Jack and Jill and so I have other members around me and I also play you know by myself as well um but Sometimes I'll be like, oh, I'm not getting a good read on this, you guys. And they'll be like, stop. (laughs) It's fine. It's fine. Right. Just do what you do and it'll be fine. And it is fine. You know, it's you can't really it's, you know, same with a book, whatever. You can't judge a book by its cover. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But the nights that are memorable that are like they stick out in your head, you can feel the energy in the room. You can feel just this uh, a magic that people want to hear you. They want to celebrate. They want to just raise their hands up to the sky and let it all out and feel those moments and feel loud music and, and feel bass and just be free. You know, they need to have that freedom. So I'm really excited to, uh, I'm just it's going to be insane when we can play again. The first show where, you know, Jack and Jill can play loudly 
and there are no rules, it's going to be unreal. <laughs> yeah, loudy and rowdy. <laughs> mm-hmm. my, my life memories, some of those peak memories in my life, many of them, if not most of them, are based around music. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that is so, it says something to me. And for you, I mean, you've gone in so many directions. And I, I think from my perspective, had so much success with all your different routes that you've taken, you know, <laughs> <laughs> which you deserve to appreciate. Well, what would you say to someone who is where we were when we were 15 or 16, being told that you can't do that. It's not a good path to follow. Oh God. I would say don't be afraid. Don't live in fear of if you feel that that is your road and you feel that don't be afraid because what is fear? What is, why are you afraid? What is that doing to you? You know, fear is, is, just invisible it's just yourself telling you that you can't right that's all fear is it's um yeah it's that that would be what I would say Mm, I love it I love it I've taken to the the idea too that fear is an opportunity for growth that seems a little bit scary from the outside because you haven't done it before Mm -hmm. and that is easy to turn away from (laughs) Totally. Because you want to stay comfortable. We all want to stay comfortable, right? And you you can actually, you will, you will tell yourself because you'll, oh, this makes me feel weird or I have the butterflies. This isn't right. I'm not going to do it. Right. Mm -hmm. And I, I still do that as an adult, right? Oh no, that's not the right feeling where you have to kind of push that aside and be like, you know what? I'm going to try this. And what's the worst that could happen to me? <laughs> you know, obviously, like, don't do crazy things. But um, when, it, when it comes to, you know, meeting someone new or uh, trying this or putting yourself out there and, and going to a book club or whatever, it could be one of the greatest things you do. And if you say no, you know, you're just, you could miss out on that, you know? It's just like little, little cues along the way. Yeah, yeah. Trust your path and and follow it. And yeah, I, it's funny though. I wonder if I was fifteen, would I be able to recognize those cues? You know, I don't know. I think the average fifteen-year-old, it would be tricky. Yeah, I'm I'm sure there's some that that can. You know, people that at fifteen who know what their calling is for mm-hmm. life. That's yeah. something I didn't know. I think it's something most people don't know, like with conviction. Yeah. And it's kind of crazy that we ask, you know, when you're 18, like figure it out, go solve it. Like that's crazy. The amount of people I've known that have re, you know, jiggered their life or pivoted or done something completely different between the ages of 25 and 40 now Mm -hmm. is just, I mean, I I assumed it was never that way. When I was 15, I just thought you decided what you did and that's what you did. And that was the way until you retired. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if that's because people are just becoming more like woke to life is short and, you know, don't stay in a job that you don't love, you know? So that's another thing that you just touched on there that I've been, I've been listening to, I've been a serial podcast listener for a really long time, like since podcasts came out. Yeah. And, and I've got, I've run the gamut of the different kinds of podcasts I listen to, but a lot <laughs> of them are business based yeah. and kind of focused around personal development and things. But I find a lot of people will say that, you know, you shouldn't follow your passion for business because mm-hmm. it doesn't necessarily work out for you. But every time I talk to somebody that is really, really happy 
it seems like it always comes back to them following what they're yeah, passionate about. What they're passionate is. I agree. I think you should follow what you're passionate about because that's where you spend the most time, right? And I mean, we've both lost a father, right? And I can, I, I, when I look at how my dad spent his life, I don't think he followed his passion. And I always wonder, did that contribute to and his life ending sooner than it should have because he was stressed. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I definitely think you should follow your passion. Life is short. Do what you love doing. And I, you know, some people say, I don't, you know, if I do my passion, then it's going to turn into a job and then I'm not going to love it. I disagree. I love every second of what I do. I, I come home at night and that's what I do. <laughs> um, it's, I think if it's what drives you, um, it, you can't not, not be successful at it. You know, I think when you're stressed about something, yeah, that's when, you know, you're starting to add little clicks onto your life expectancy, right? Is, is stress. It's a killer. Don't do it. Yeah. Cortisol is bad. Yeah. Bad. <laughs> Cortisol does bad things to you. Did your dad do what he loved? What's that? Did your dad do what he loved? I think my dad developed a an, a passion for excellence in doing the thing he did. Mm-hmm. But... I think he came from the era that said, this is how you do it. You stick with a job, you pick your job, you do it until you retire and Mm -hmm. everything's going to be okay. I think that's, and I bought, I think because of music, I bought into that idea as well. Yeah. Same. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I had the same experience with, I, my dad came, came from that same era as well. You, you work hard, you provide for your family, you know, you see it through till retirement. I don't know. My dad didn't make retirement. I don't know about your, your dad, but. My dad had semi-retired in his very last year and was then excited about retirement. And he, I think he got the actual, like he, he finished his last contract in November of the previous year. And then it was April of last year so I feel like watching that unfold I that I feel like my my dad never got to enjoy I'm I'm not gonna work anymore and he never got to enjoy that and that scares the crap out of me is that you could work your whole life and then you wait for that moment of not working you don't get that like you have that taken away. So do what you love now. I'm not sure how old your dad was, but my dad was only 60. And I'm going to be 40. Yeah, my dad was 59. So I feel you. Yeah, same. It's so, it's so similar. Uh, you're just, you're like a year or two behind me. You'll get there. <laughs> you get yeah. to what I didn't like to talk about. It's just too um, close to your soul right um but you'll get there like little bits start to come out and you feel okay talking about things and grief man yeah it's tricky it's a tricky one so uh if i if i could ask uh, yeah what do you think your your dad would say to you now knowing what you've done hmm well, I'm going to ask you the same question. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I think my dad would be, when my dad passed away, he made it very clear um, that I needed to continue to do music. His his grandpa had, or his father had said this to me as well um, when he passed, but he grabbed my arm and he said, you never stopped singing, never stopped singing. And he knew I would never stop singing. 
But um, because he watched me go through that period of seven years of not performing, he had to make sure that that was his message to me, right? Because he knows how much it just lights my soul up. Um, So that was his message to me. And I think he'd be very proud of me. There are times that I... I'm not my best version of myself that I wonder if, especially during COVID, (laughs) uh, that he'd be like, okay, because he was just the nicest human being. So kind and so nice, like to anybody. He never complained about anybody. And um, I wonder if he'd just be like, okay, you're overreacting a little bit, Amanda. But, (laughs) but I think, yeah, I think, um, I think he'd be very proud. I think he is very proud. I feel that he's very proud. Um, and, you know, there are times when I'm singing that, you know, I talk to him. It sounds crazy, but I'm having, he's there. You know, I felt him at um, a couple of big shows that I've played where I'm like, oh, how's it going? I'm glad you could check it out. So that's kind of cool. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but I I feel like he is with my nephew quite a lot. I think he he really loved his grandson and they had a very special connection. So I think he's around him quite a lot and obviously with my mom quite a lot and they live in Ontario, but there are times when I'm like, "Oh, hey dad, what's up?" But I also think he knows I I I he knows I'm fine. You know. There are moments when you feel him around, but like he he knows I'm good. So, yeah. <laughs> what about you? That's what, so what do you cool. Think? <laughs> I know. I it's such a such an unusual conversation to have because you don't have a lot <laughs> for one. I know, but uh, it's okay to talk about though, right? Like, yeah. I I love I love talking with people who have lost. Um, their their parent, especially their father, and especially a woman, because the connection you have with your dad is for a woman. And if you you know this is if you had a, a you know a great dad growing up, um, it's you yeah it's special right those relationships and it's not really understood unless you see you know someone who mirrors it back right and I feel like you're one of those people it's, who yeah. No, you are, you are bang on. I mean, the day, it was so weird because I'm not sure about your dad, but we got a diagnosis of pancreatic cancer and then we got, they give you a timeline, which is super, super weird. Uh And the timeline was like six months to a year, which felt really short when we heard it. But at the end of the day, it was 11 weeks. So mm-hmm. I'm not sure about your dad, but it was like way, way shorter than we had. Yeah. But I remember the day I passed away, I got a call from my mom in the morning. It was like five o'clock in the morning. It was like, oh, my dad had a fall. We're going to take him into the hospital. And there was something weird feeling. And I, mm-hmm. I said, I got to go right now. And I left yeah. and Blake yeah. sent me, a, Blake woke up and he sent me a picture of the giant double rainbow over the, over the oh lake. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I just texted him. I said, he's going to die today. Mm-hmm. And all I remember was thinking, like I, I drove down there, you know, just thinking, and I had my like dad playlist on weeks to put that together. Yeah. yeah. And there were so many memories that I'd had him growing up and us driving to his like motorcycle races and him to drive and all the things. I put all these songs together and I just remember driving down thinking that it was going to be the last time that I saw him. But then I kept saying to myself, you know, it's not because he's already sent me a sign. I already have a double rainbow. <laughs> yeah. And, and then there's been so many more since 
yeah. since it happened. And that mm-hmm. was just like, I don't know, it, you know, I'm, I'm moving through it right now because it's hard to realize that it's, it's even real. It hasn't really been that long. It's crazy. Yeah. yeah you grief. We talked about this on Wednesday too, right? You were talking about trauma, right? And you were, you were, was that trauma? And a hundred percent, it was trauma. Like what you felt grief is like uh, what I've come to understand grief to be. And I feel like I'm coming out of the darkness of grief. I feel like it's something that every day you're going to think about your dad every day. You're never going to not, not think about your dad, you know? Um, but I, I feel like I'm, it's been, I think four years now for me that I've lost my dad and we don't know what kind of cancer. Mm-hmm. It was very fast. We got a diagnosis in November and he died December 23rd or 24th. I can't remember. Cause as you probably know, the time oh, doesn't yeah. make sense. Yeah. <laughs> I remember December 11th and then I don't remember time after that, <laughs> but I know I was in the hospital from December 11th to December 24th or 23rd. Yeah, it was terrible. Um, but it's something that you, you grief, you, you protect, you protect because it hurts so much, right? Your body actually protects it because it's hurt. It's like getting a cut, but it's on the inside of you, (laughs) you know? Yeah. And you, your body, it's bizarre. It's like your consciousness or whatever it is knows that that feeling hurts too much and we're going to protect you in some way, whatever, your soul, however it protects, and it does that. So you can go about your daily life. You know, you have to raise your kids still. You have to go to go to your job still. You have to, to function. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy, right? Things. Yeah. It's crazy to me that I was teaching like two months after my dad passed away. You know, <laughs> it's crazy to me that that's what I was doing. And, but that's what you do. Yeah. You know, to bring it full circle for me, music is a, to me, it's a very transcendental experience, meaning like, it's not just an experience I am having with the artist, it's an experience of life and, Mm -hmm. and everything and not even necessarily just, you know, the physical world, but also beyond that. Totally. I, a hundred percent. I mean, I think the, the, when I say I, I talk to my dad, I talk to my dad through music, but I, I've had these experiences and I know them to be true because I know what I feel when it happens. And I have been singing and I have had my grandpa there. Um, after he passed, he came and watched a performance of Aiden and I, and he was there. He was a hundred percent there. And, um, there was a time where my dad was there and it was, um, at a Jack and Jill show. He was at a Jack and Jill show and I, he was there. And I know this to be true because I felt it. And I know this, if you are any type of musician or you feel, um, emotions inside of you that connect um, you know how you get those shiveries when you listen to a band, you get the shivers, like, and mm-hmm. something really moves you. Mm-hmm. I really believe that is the connection of that artist into you. That is, you're connecting with them. Do you know what I mean? Oh, um, I've had them so many times. That was part of like my dad's playlist that I made. It wasn't just songs that me and my dad listened to. It was the songs that made me think about my dad where I got those like the next shiver feelings. Yes. Yes. Every time. And I don't know what those are. And no one knows what those are. We've all felt it. And no one knows what it is. You know, (laughs) it's hard to study. Exactly. (laughs) But we've all felt it. Like every human being has felt moved by a piece of art at some point or watched a, a video that's resonated with them or listened to a song or um, do you know what I mean? Had these, these experiences where they get the shivers. And for me, I believe that's human connection. And I've talked to Ashley Sorowski about this as well. She gets shivers when she is connecting to like 
otherworldly things, you know, like, like the other dimension or whatever you believe in. Mm -hmm. Um, And I do, I do believe, I don't know, I don't see it. I don't know what it is, but I can tell you that I feel it and I know that it's there. So I felt it on many occasions. And the two that really resonate with me are my grandpa being there and, and my dad. So Mm -hmm. yeah, it's, it's nice to feel sometimes, you know, but then other times you're like, well, man, I really wish you were there, but it's, it's always the times when I am super connected to the song I'm singing or I'm just like, yeah, I'm, I'm really connected to what's going on. It's very Mm. interesting. Mm -hmm. So yeah, play, play your piano and listen to those, those songs that remind you of your dad, because he's there. He's telling you to listen to them. You know? Totally. I mean, I don't want to take up all your time because it's Friday night and it's 9.15. <laughs> We're going to keep having this conversation, I think, which is great. And I'm, I'm really pumped to get this this out to, to people because I feel like I'm so glad that we get to be friends and we can continue okay. this conversation. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're the full circle person. You're like, I want to create a full circle of where you start where you go, how you got there, and how do we end? <laughs> I know. I need to know. Yeah, <laughs> I love I, it. I can't help it. I'm so it's sorry. Great. I'm like, this is a full circle conversation. I love it. This is fantastic. Awesome. Um, do you have, like, you write a lot, but do mm-hmm. you also have personal mantra or meditation or something that guides you to keep yourself focused or... Um, it again goes back to the fear thing for me. It's uh, I, I just say, yes, just do it. (laughs) Mm. I try to find a way to say yes. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, it can do you a disservice because you get really busy. Um, But I've never, I was just looking through all my Jack and Jill stuff because I just booked a show and they were asking for a picture. And um, it's weird because you do all these amazing things shows and and you play in all these amazing bands and do all these amazing venues but I feel like I never process things the way I should because it's I'm always going to the next thing you know Mm. and um, I was flipping through the Jack and Jill site and I'm like oh my god we've had the best time this is fantastic (laughs) you know so I think saying yes can be great at times say yes to everything you can because those opportunities open doors, but also know that it's okay to say no sometimes too. Don't have that fear of missing out. <laughs> um, Cause you know, there'll be other things too. Absolutely. Yeah. And you are okay. So you're, you're going to be better, better off explaining this than me. Um, if someone Market wants it, to baby. find you, or listen <laughs> to you, how do they do that? Yeah, if you like everything that I've talked about today, <laughs> um, you can find me at Mandy Cole Sings on Instagram. Uh, you can also check out my website, www.mandycolesings.com. Or you can go on Facebook, find me at Mandy Cole Sings, uh, TikTok, and YouTube. Um, and please give me a follow. Oh, and Spotify as well. I have a bunch of my songs on there as well, but, um, yeah, Spotify me, but anytime you can download or follow or whatever, uh, independent artist, a do it yourself artist, um, it helps us out the most. So that'd be really great. What, what is it that helps the most for an artist? Uh, right now I feel yeah. like. I feel like for booking shows, like for me, I, my income is based a lot on my shows because I'm really great live. Everybody come check me out. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, a lot of venues book based on your following, your fan following. So um, I, yeah, if you could shoot a follow on Instagram or for me, Instagram is probably my biggest kind of place. And um, yeah, just sharing, share some music, share some live music. Don't be afraid of sharing somebody who's unknown 
if you like their music, share it. You know, if you're moved by their song, share it. People want to see music and art rather than um, political stuff in your Facebook feed. <laughs> Ugh, yes. Am I I'm right? So with you. Oh my god, <laughs> yes. And um, for any serial music listener, I'm always on the hunt for something new mm-hmm. and different. Ooh, you know, I'm always on the hunt for that. And I listen. I listen to the randomest stuff. <laughs> I'm sure it's fantastic because I'm just looking for new things so so yeah um thank you so much for your insight and your thoughts and your vulnerability thank you so much thank you for your thoughts your insight and your vulnerability um and thanks for having me I hope that people can I hope people got something out of it And uh, yeah, if you're an artist, go make some art. Don't be afraid. And uh, if you've lost a loved one, go talk to them. Thank you. No problem. Thanks, Daya. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. And here are the five takeaways from today's interview with Mandy. Number one, be true to yourself, especially when you already know what it is that lights you up. This is key. If you already have an idea of what is your spark, then follow that because then you already know that that gives you so much fulfillment in your life and it's important to appreciate the fact that you do know that because so many people go through their life searching for that and some people will find it and some people never will so embrace your spark and be true to yourself takeaway number two recognize the importance of being connected to music Music is so many things. Music can be something that calms you down, wakes you up, puts you to bed. There's so many things that music can do. When I think back on how many points in my life that music was an important part of what I was doing or how I was living, I'm constantly amazed. Also, music isn't just the sound of an instrument. It could be the call of a bird, it could be a wind song, it could be some chimes. Music is a melody that allows you to feel a certain type of feeling or a certain type of energy. Number three, define your own version of success. I have heard this over and over But Mandy's story is yet another example that when you go away from your passion and the things that truly define you and light you up, you can get a little lost. So if you felt like that, take the time to look back and ask yourself, what are those things? What are those things that you went away from that you might want to go back to? Takeaway number four, grief. One of Mandy's quotes, or I'm calling it Mandy's quote, but one of the things she said in this podcast was that it's like getting a cut, but it's on the inside of you. If you've experienced grief or trauma or hardship in the last few years, allow yourself to feel those feelings. That is what will allow you to move through them and to move forward. Takeaway number four, reflection. Reflection is actually one of the three R's that I talk about in the podcast, the three R's in season one, but it's also something I do on a weekly, monthly, and sometimes daily basis. In regards to the loss of a loved one, reflection doesn't have to be all about grieving. Reflection can also be an appreciation of those moments. I remember, I don't know whether it was the day of 
my father's funeral or the day after, but I remember my mom, my sister, my brother, and our extended family sitting out on the deck and reminiscing of really all the wonderful moments we had together. I think reflection is an important habit to add into your life if you've lost someone who's really important to you. And I think that reflection is another way to look at adding rituals into your life to be able to honor and remember the people that you love. Thanks for tuning in to today's podcast. See you next week. Thank you for listening and I hope that this podcast helped uh, give you some ideas or some strategies to help you with your goal of intentional living. And if you have the opportunity to give us a review and a rating on iTunes or the platform you're listening on, that would be wonderful. If you'd like to ask a question or suggest a topic, please send us a message on Instagram at mykindofbusiness or on our website at www.mykind.ca. Thanks for listening. See you soon.